Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, so uh, let's talk for a little bit about goals. How many of y'all still have kept your New Year's resolution? <laughs> it's uh, mid-March. Most people uh, have, it lasts about three days. Uh, so if you're, if you're still at least remember what it was, you're doing pretty good. See, here's the thing with goals. If we aren't specific in uh, what the goal is and in and, and keeping up with it, we oftentimes end up just drifting back to a whatever kind of status quo is. I think for, for us as Christians, this is particularly important because if we, aren't, if we don't have our eyes fixed on what is the goal of my life, why am I here, what am I supposed to do, what does it look like to be church, we will end up drifting into the same status quo of what life in the world looks like. See, life in the world is, is about, about making something similar to life in the church, but it's about making a name for yourself. That's kind of the status quo of life, is make a name for yourself. You see, they, they did a, a survey of Generation Z, uh, which is kind of the, the current uh, generation of, of students. And, and they, they asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? You want to know the number one answer? Famous. I want to be famous. Right? Because the status quo, the goal of our world of life, is to make a name for yourself. And, and so everything is about making me look good, about promoting myself above others. And if we're not careful, we get drifted. We get pulled along with that current of what life is about, making a name for yourself. Or per- perhaps uh, it's not quite about making a name for yourself, but in addition to that, it's uh, making a living. All right? I mean, wh- why do we go to school? You go to school so that you can eventually get into a good college or a good trade school so you can get a good job, so you can make a good living, so that then uh, hopefully one day you can retire and, and enjoy a good life. Notice the center of all of that is you, uh, and, and making a living becomes uh, the, the whole goal of life. It's so easy for, to just get swept up in that. But again, that kind of a life is all about me. And I end up worrying so much about all these things that I can't control. It's a life that, that's short-sighted. It's making a living. It's not the, the full life that God has for us. I'll throw one other option is making memories. Right, this one sounds nice. You see it on postcards. Uh, if you go on a vacation somewhere, I promise you, you go to the gift store, they will have some sort of a postcard that says making memories. Or you go to a theme park and you're on one of those rides and they take a picture of you screaming your head off on the log flume or whatever it is. And you're, you're making memories. And so if that's what life is about, then it's all about experiences. And so why are we gathered together as a family? Well, we're here to make memories. Uh, and so vacation has to go well because we're making memories and we don't want tears in our postcard. Life is about making memories. Then it's all about, well, what's the next experience? And what happens 
is we lose sight of the countless memories that could be made between those big experiences. It's a mountaintop lifestyle that loses sight of the beauty of the valley. And so to, to kind of evaluate right, the, the, the status quo of the world, well, if it's about making a living, it's about making memories, it's about making a name for yourself. I found an interview with someone that has achieved all of that, and here's what they have to say. So unfortunately, this, uh, the interview kind of shows my age a little bit because it's not a current NFL player. So I, I'm... I'm I'm wanting you to, to think back. Hopefully, you recognize who it is. It's a guy named Tom Brady. And you guys, you guys heard of him? Yeah, he's a retired NFL player, probably for another couple weeks until he comes back out of retirement again. Uh, no, so, so Tom Brady, they did a, an interview with him on, on 60 Minutes, which, again, that might show a little. Some of y'all might know that's how much time's in an hour. There's a TV show about it. They do a bunch of interviews. So they interviewed him on 60 Minutes in 2005. Now, this is after he had won his third Super Bowl uh, in, in five years. And the, the, the interviewer asked him, how great is it to be Tom Brady right now? Because again, in, in the status quo of the world, he's achieved everything that we're supposed to be looking for. He's made a name for himself. He, he's made memories. He, he's achieved the pinnacle of, of, of his, his sport. He's made a living, certainly. And here's how Tom Brady responded. There's times where I'm not the person I want to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be, it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it, I'm 27, and what else is there for me? And the interviewer kind of pauses and then asks the questions, so what's the answer? Brady responds, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. See, an interview that started with an opportunity to say, hey, yes, this is what life is all about. And if you work hard, you too can achieve this. You can make a name for yourself. You can make memories. You can make a living. This is the life. And his response is, there's got to be something more than this. As the people of God, we have been invited into more. What the world is looking for. And so instead of being swept up in the status quo of a life that is constantly seeking something else, God has invited you into the life that is truly life. See, I think this is what the book of Ephesians is all about. So I encourage you to open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 5. This is where our epistle reading was from. Because if you were to summarize Ephesians in one word, that word would be more. More. God is inviting us into a life into the more the world is looking for. There's got to be more than this. Jesus Christ is more. Paul himself writes in chapter 3 that, that you would uh, un- have the power to understand 
the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God. And that by, by knowing this love, you would be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. That you would be filled. Not by achieving greatness in this world, you'd be filled by the love of God in Jesus Christ. That's more. See, a life that is greater, a life that is more, the goal of Christianity to be filled is not found in some achievement. It's not found in a bank account. It's not found in fame and success and glory. It's found in simply receiving the love of God for you in Jesus Christ. See, this is what Paul is saying in our text here in chapter 5. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Think there's a life that is greater than, than what the world is going to give you. And so don't walk in the ways of the world. Walk as children of the light because you have more. You have a life that is so much greater than anything temporary that the world can offer you. Paul is saying, don't get swept up in the narratives and the status quo of the world. Instead, receive more from God. Not more of temporary things, but more of that which truly lasts. The height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God, of His forgiveness for you in Jesus Christ. That which does not perish, or spoil, or fade. That is the life that God has given to us. That is more. And yet we're not just called to receive that from God and then go back and live a life that's about making a name for us. No, here's a picture of what this more life looks like in Ephesians 5. God pours His gifts into our lives. And we don't just keep them to ourselves. No, God's more can't help but overflow from us into the world around us. It's why Paul encourages us to walk as children of the light. And here's how he closes our text. Verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. See, Paul's saying God has poured His gifts into your life. He has given you true light. He has given you grace. He has given you mercy, peace, forgiveness. He has given you His Holy Spirit. He has gathered you together as His people that we would make the most of the time because the days are evil. See, the true life that God has given you in Jesus Christ is not to make a name for yourself, not to make just memories, not to uh, make a living, but to make a difference. The life that is truly life that is yours in Christ Jesus through the waters of baptism is so that you can make a difference. Make the best use of the time for the days are evil. 
You see, and we hear that and we say, well, I'm, God has poured his gifts into me that I may make a difference. And naturally what we think is we go back to these big mountaintop experiences. When you when ask people to, to think, what's a time in your life you made a difference? We automatically jump to, well, I, I, I did this and that, that potentially saved someone's life. Or I went on this trip and I built this house and that impacted someone. And we think about these grand gestures, these big moments. And that's not to discount that we didn't make a difference in those times, but nor is that the only time that we make a difference. You see, you would expect when Paul's talking this life up, he's saying make the best use of the time. You would think he would continue on and say, okay, now go out and plant a bunch of churches like I'm doing. Uh, go out and be a missionary. Go in and do all these great, extraordinary things. And that, that's how the book of Ephesians would end. Again, when we look at the text, what, what do we see in the next sections? Make the best use of time. And here's what that looks like. He talks about husbands and wives loving and honoring one another. He talks about parents and children being patient with one another, serving one another. He talks about life in the workplace that we would encourage, we would respect and honor one another. That doesn't sound too uh, lofty and high. It actually sounds pretty ordinary. And that's exactly the point. See, if you want to make a difference, it begins by receiving the gifts of God. What we're doing this morning, receiving the gifts of God as He comes to us, in His body, in His blood, as He comes to us through His Word. But to make a difference means that that overflows from us to those around us. In our marriages, in our homes, with our kids, grandkids, our neighbors, in the workplace. These everyday moments, God says, I've given you these people around you. I've poured my gifts into you that you would make a difference. It would flow from you. See, it's in these simple, everyday acts that God's love goes forth. We've been talking about church membership here at at Zion, kind of going through some parts of what does it look like to be a member. And here's the the third part of our membership covenant. And none of this, it seems, this doesn't seem flashy, doesn't seem like these big moments, this can't possibly make a difference. And yet this is the life that God has called us to. I will serve the ministry of my church by developing a servant's heart, by using my God-given gifts to make a difference in the lives of others, by giving regularly. See, what I, what I wanted is to have these words uh, over the picture of the water droplet, uh, but there's no color known to man that makes that show up on this screen. I, I tried, uh, believe me. I went outside of the normal rainbow colors uh, and uh, nothing, uh, nothing showed up here. So just imagine those words are on this image. Because what, what, what this, this part of, of membership is talking about is this is what God has poured into you. God has served you. He's given you His best in Jesus Christ. And so that overflows, that ripples out from us as we serve others. God has given you gifts and talents and experiences. And He's poured those into you that it may flow from you into those around you as we serve one another. God has poured into you generosity, not that we would keep it for ourselves 
and only focused on making a living or making a name for ourselves, but that it would flow from us, that we would give generously because we've been poured into by a generous God. And that makes a difference. It seems ordinary because often as we think, well, I, I can't possibly make a difference. I'm too young. I'm too old. I, I'm too busy. I, I'm, too, I'm too poor. I, I'm not good enough. We come up with all sorts of excuses. And yet Paul's answer for us in, in Ephesians is, you, you think you can make a, a difference? Well, let's ask a few questions. Do you have Jesus? <laughs> The answer is yes, then you can make a difference because he is the difference maker, not you. Begins with him pouring his gifts into your life. Are you a spouse? Are you married? Then you can make a difference. Pray for your spouse. Worship together. Gather together around his gifts. Forgive one another. That makes a difference. Are you a parent or a grandparent? Love your kids. Be patient with them. Teach them the scriptures. Forgive one another. Bring them to worship. That is making a difference. Are are, are you employed? Do you have neighbors? Are there people around you? Then use your gifts not to make a name for yourself, but to serve them. Not to make yourself great but to share the greatness of your God who came to serve you and His Son, Jesus Christ. So you can make a difference in the lives of the people around you. And when we begin to wonder, does this actually work? I mean, it seems pretty simple. Let's take a moment to reflect where we are right now. We're in the sanctuary of Zion Lutheran Church. Now, how many of y'all were here when Zion Lutheran Church was founded? Now, many of you might be related to someone that was there, but we weren't there. The fact that we were here means that making a difference happens through these ordinary relationships. Those of you that maybe are related to someone that was here at the very beginning, They did things like praying with their spouse, with their kids, bringing them to worship. And that's why you're here today. That made a difference in your life. Think about about those who uh, started our school. I mean, the the step of faith, the amount of generosity, of sacrifice that that takes, not only to start a school, but to continue it. That made a difference. See, because God has been generous to us, and so the saints that have gone before us Instead of making a name for themselves, instead of focused on making their living, on making their memories, they said, no, I'm fixing my eyes on what's coming ahead so that the generation after me may may have the life that is truly life, the life in Christ Jesus. And it made a difference in our lives. And so we give thanks for those that have gone before us that in their ordinary relationships, in their everyday lives, by simply allowing God's gifts to be received regularly and to flow from them, made a difference beyond their time here on earth. You see, that's the life. The life of ordinary farmers, ordinary moms and dads, students. That's the life that even the most famous people in this world are looking for. There's got to be something more than this. This is more. 
life in Christ Jesus poured into you through the waters of baptism, that life, a life of receiving, of serving, that's the life that's truly life. And that life is yours in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home. Amen.